0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Revenue Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Parker, and today um, I have a special guest, Moore Oceline. Um, I met Moore actually. Um, uh, we've been connecting on LinkedIn for quite some time. Um, he is a two-time VP of Sales and now has just founded um, a new uh, course slash business called From Demo to Close. Um, I met Moore actually because I set on a training he run. He ran uh, for uh, you know basically a better way to run demos. And I really enjoyed uh, listening to him. And so we connected, we just kind of clicked and I asked him to come on the show. We talk about a lot of cool things here. Largely, we kind of, uh, we talk about some higher level strategies of like what you want to accomplish in discovery in that first call we talk about, you know, whether you should demo or not on the first call, some different scenarios where it makes sense, where it doesn't. Um, and uh, we also kind of dive into a little bit of the nitty gritty and like the upfront contract and how to align on expectations and just a lot of really great stuff. So um, appreciate you checking it out. Also, um, if you are um, a company or maybe a sales leader and you're needing some help with your sales development, uh, feel free to reach out to me. It's ethan at altisales.com. I'd be happy to chat with you around what we're doing at altisales. And if nothing else, just share some best practices that you can take and build out with your team. And if you're a seller and you're looking to level up, um outbound squad is a fantastic program if you're tired of sending hundreds of cold emails and getting no responses from your prospects and you're really looking to ramp up in 2022 we have some cool incentives going on um get a free one-on-one session with jason bay as well as um a uh, a special event qbr type event we're really going to help you set up for success for 2022 so anyway without further ado thanks for checking out the show and um, feel free to uh, show more some love to his uh, His information is in the uh, show notes. Cheers. Welcome to the Revenue Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Parker. Let's go. If you're not answering why change, you can go ahead and close lost that deal. The problem with outbound sales is AEs are talking to people like they're already in the consideration phase of the buyer's journey. And they're not. We have to shift everything in our discovery to be entirely customer-centric. You have to make them lean in. What's up, everybody? Um, welcome to the Revenue Podcast. This is Ethan Parker, your host. And today I have um, someone I've been connected with on LinkedIn for a while, but we haven't really connected uh, one-to-one until more recently. I actually set in on a training he was running. Um, so more is a two-time VP of Sales and now has uh, you know just founded um, a new platform that we can unpack a little bit today. It's called uh, From Demo to Close, and um, largely what uh, what uh, we talk about on the show is around discovery and and you know getting to that close. So I thought more would be a fun guest to have on. More, thanks so much for hopping
1: on. Appreciate it, Ethan. Yeah, crazy, right? We we you me and you like officially connected a couple of weeks ago, and and now now we're official. <laughs>
0: Yeah. well that's how it goes man you you meet someone you have good vibes and then um you just yeah. you, just, you know, roll with it so yeah so i i set in on on your training you were doing around demos because a lot of uh for me personally i, I have like a lot of training on discovery um both like formal and then like informal just like mentors or coaching programs i've paid for but i don't like i was when i saw you posted i was like trying to think of, like have I ever sat in on like an actual training for how to run a demo other than from the company that mm. I worked for? <laughs> so it's interesting. I think that you have a really cool thing going here. You want to, you have thoughts on that? You have to comment? Maybe is that, are you seeing the same thing? Is that where that was born, where that came from or?
1: Yeah, it was. So, I mean, where it was really born, um, you know, like my experience, like my playground, like, yes, I've done outbound and and I've done, Cold calling and, and outbound emails and all that good stuff and it's, there's plenty of content on LinkedIn but where my experience really lies in like going into like these early stage startups pre Series A sometimes pre Seed Series and they don't really have a sales te- they don't have a sales team they don't have a sales process and I go in take over doing all the demos and then I build a playbook around that and you know hire and iterate and train and so um, and I enjoy it and I'm good at it and I got my team to be good at it and I was like you know what this is a passion of mine I'm, I'm good at it so why not create a course around that. Plus, I was seeing sort of like a gap on LinkedIn, at least the LinkedIn content around like, everyone's talking about outbound, but what about once you actually get the lead and do the demo? What about that? Either A, no one's dealing with that problem, or B, like outbound is just going through like a renaissance and everyone's talking about it um, and the, in the, the demo side isn't getting the spotlight. And I was like, you know what? Whatever, I'll do it. I'm sure there's somebody that's going to need it. And so that's where it really stemmed from. Um, plus, I made a poll on LinkedIn before I released like my program. Um, it was not like a crazy sample size, but it was a pretty good good one where it was like, hey, how many of AEs feel like they're getting good sales content either from their company, like sales demo advice from their company or online content? I think it was like 77% said that they feel like they're not getting good sales demo advice. I was like, all right, well, that validates even more the program that I released. So it was like a mixture of like personal interest slash seeing a gap and taking a little bit of a risk all of you entrepreneurs
0: listening, that's the secret
1: sauce. Right. <laughs>
0: so, oh, tip for the day. Uh, that's something you're interested in and a gap. Yeah. Um, but speaking of gaps, um, leads me to kind of hop into the main thing I want to talk about today, which is um, discovery. So um, a couple of things we kind of generally talk through. One thing I would like to understand around what you're doing right now. So obviously, this matters. I mean, this changes based on deal size uh, and you know org structure, et cetera, whether you have SDRs, whether you don't um, that kind of thing. Um, and to your point, there's a lot of information around the outbound side and people, this is how we get the meeting, but I do see a, definitely a big gap on, on, you know, from, okay, now we have the meeting. Now, how do we close this thing? Which is mm-hmm. why I created this podcast. Cause that's what I, I coach my clients on all the time is, all right, now you have the meeting. What do we do with it? Yeah. So I know how I think about it, but I want to know how you think about if we can, maybe before we get too specific, my broader strokes, like, does it, do you, do you like qual calls? Do you like doing like a 15 minute qualification call and then setting like up a large longer demo? Do you go in more for, I feel like the more traditional route is try to set like 30 minutes for an initial. Usually end up doing some decent discovery there. I personally like 60 minutes if I can get it for my initial meeting. Like I know you're qualified before I'm calling the account. And like, uh, I will, I will DQ you five, 10 minutes in and, and get a yeah. time back if this is a bad call. So I like longer initial calls because if it's actually a good chat, To run my whole process, I I need a bit of time. How do you think about that? As far as like steps to get from initial phone call to demo, are those separate things? You run in Disco separately from demo. I know we've all agreed Disco never stops, but tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sort of like in the middle on like kind of like a walking controversy because you'll hear me say, uh, you know, like a a a philosophy around one way of doing it versus another way. So here's like I'll, I'll share both. I think the discovery part is the most important part. So the way I treat my demos, at least um, up until this point, is that let's just have an hour of a call for a demo blocked off. The first call at 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes will be discovery. Um, and the reason why I do that is because if I can knock out discovery and a demo on that one call, I have more time on the calendar to fill up for other calls. If I set up a separate discovery call with one prospect and then I set up a secondary demo with that prospect, I've essentially blocked off two time slots on my calendar. Where it could have gone to additional prospect and additional demos, and so that's like sort of like why I like to do it on one call. Second reason is if you get your discovery down like real tight and you get like the first priority questions off the bat off the first fifteen minutes, then you can do your demo and as you're doing your demo, you can continue doing discovery. Um, so school of thought is I typically do the dis- the discovery call on that demo call, but if I see that that discovery call is taking too long, I won't cut it short and go into the demo. I'll just continue that discovery call, and then I'll schedule a secondary demo. From, if you're dealing with like an enterprise-level deal, like it takes like six months to close, just get a really large account, and you know even if you do the demo, they're not going to close in like the first 30 days, then I would say just do the discovery call and then go on to the demo. So you got to feel it out. I always like to say there's no one way of doing things in sales, um, but uh, I typically lean towards, let's do the discovery and the demo on the same call. Worse comes to worse, we'll do a secondary call for the demo.
0: Yeah. They kind of put a bow on that, because what I i think I heard and you can clarify. Um, I think we agree in that so so I, I own a company that does like very transactional software sales, like twelve hundred bucks a year, ACV average, right? Like super transactional. Mm-hmm. I don't it doesn't make sense to have salespeople on a 30 minute disco and then an hour long demo like that's not what it takes to sell this product. We're talking about hundred bucks a month. right? <laughs> so right. by far and large product led growth, but um, we do have people that want to see it. They want to do a demo, that kind of thing. So we do all those on one call. Now that's a very extreme example of super low cost, but even getting into like 10, 20 K, probably ACV, you can probably still do that in a more transactional approach and have that one call and do both. So like an hour long call, first 20 minutes is going to be a bit of discovery. We're going to get into a bit of a demo. If it's going really well, I imagine more times than not, that ends up being a secondary demo where we get deeper, a bit more technical, that kind of thing. Um, and then we flip to enterprise. You're saying generally you would suggest splitting those. Is that kind of a... Am I
1: hearing sort of, you right? Sort of, yeah. Right? It depends on the ACV. And if if it's a larger deal, then you're dealing with more stakeholders and influencers and decision makers. Side note: If if your prospect is down to get on multiple calls, discovery, second discovery, demo, second demo, third demo, that's actually a really good sign. That there's way more activity. Like I use Gong, and if you use Gong, like one of the things that they have a feature where you can actually see that level of activity activity for each lead, and so it'll have like like purple and red dots or whatever it is, and like the more dots, the better it is, and like one like a red dot represents your your prospect engagement, and like the purple dot represents your engagement. So. On Gong, you would see like a bunch of like red dots and purple. That's like a really good sign. So, if it takes multiple calls, that's that's good. That means they're committed and they're 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 going deeper into the sales funnel. So, I gave you a very long winded answer to a very uh, short question, but yeah, essentially, rule of thumb is if it's a larger deal um, and you know you're not going to close it in like the typical average sales cycle, then yeah, do, do have a separate call, especially if there's other other decision makers. Again, feel it out. Like I've done enterprise level deals and demos where. We did a discovery call. We did a demo. It was back and forth in email, and then they closed within 30 days. It happens. Um, but you got that's where like the art part of sales comes in. Yeah, and some of that's kind of subject to timing. Like you never know with some of these,
0: like where right. they're at, but we get into the conversation exactly. Um, yeah. I love that you said that though. Also, side note, don't ever worry about long-winded answers. So I think that's what podcasts are for. Um, Let's, let's talk about it. Let's hash it out. This is the long form interview process. So this is not 30 minutes presence club. However, big fan (laughs) of that too. So go check out Nick and Armand if, uh, if you have it over 30 minutes presence club, but um, back to what we were saying. Um, So let me ask you something, because I think that you and I think about this a little bit differently. So I, I agree with one part of what you said in that, and I, and I love this, by the way. I, I try to find people that I do have a little bit of a difference of agreement on, because my whole thing is let's talk about the why, and then whoever's listening, you can hear that, and then you can figure out what makes the most sense for you, because that's what this is all about. Because not like you said earlier, it's not a one size fits all. But I personally try to never demo on the first call unless it's um, very transactional. For the reason that you mentioned, if the prospect is willing to get on multiple calls with me, then that's like a good sign. Now. If you take that approach and your discovery process is very shit, and so that, that first call sucks, you're going to have a hard time getting them on second calls. But if you do a very good job at talking to what the prospect cares about and getting them to connect the dots and helping them understand why this matters to them and why they should take another call, I feel like they go very well. And then we can have a very tailored demo. Obviously, it depends on the complexity of the product, how much mm. you can customize it, what the org is like. You have sales engineers that do that. Like, There's lots of variables there to what I'm saying right now. But I think we both agree on the fact of folks like to take more, if they take more calls, we're more likely to to have a close here, generally speaking. But yeah. why do you lean toward why do you what makes you lean towards wanting to do all that on the first call if possible versus splitting them up? So like my standard is I I intend to split up the call. Whereas your standard is you intend to do Disco and Discovery I mean, yeah. Disco on the first call. Tell me why.
1: So I want to just like, before I tell you why, I think it also matters where that lead is coming from. If there, if it's coming from an outbound initiative, meaning like someone did a cold call, cold email, and now you get that lead to agree to get on a call, then trying to do the discovery in the demo may be a little tricky. So if you're versus you have an inbound lead that's coming in from like a demo request, for example, in that case, I, I think you can lean heavily more towards that one call discovery demo where you're dealing with a cold one, it may take a little bit more nurturing. And so doing multiple calls will, will, will work. But the reason why I lean more towards the, hey, let's knock it off in one call is number one, let's just say I have a calendar Monday through Friday available to get calls and demos. Now, if I can consolidate the amount of calls I have for one prospect, that makes that gives me more room on my calendar to book other calls for other prospects. So if I, let's just say it takes me two calls on average to close somebody, discovery, one call demo on another call, then that's two less available spots on my calendar, or technically one less available spot on my calendar, right? Because if I consolidate, just one call on the calendar, um, and so that's one of the reasons I can I can fit more more demos on the calendar if I just consolidate the calls. Now again, like I'll stay true to that, but if if I see that this needs like I've had discovery calls where we're vibing, the prospect is really opening up, we're already bleeding, we have maybe ten minutes left to the demo. I'm not going to force a demo. I'm going to continue the discovery call, and then I'll schedule the demo. So, you, so like, if it, like I'll pay attention to it. But yeah, if I can consolidate it, I'll, I'll just have more room on my calendar to fit in more calls and more opportunity. The way I look at it, again, but there's always like that outlier, like the example that I just gave. If they're yeah. if we're vibing, they're super super open, which happens a lot. Um, I want to milk as much intel as possible from that discovery call. The more they give to me, the more they invest in me, the more likely they'll book a secondary call. Um, also if there's like multiple decision makers, right? Like sometimes you'll have like on the calendar, um, uh, like three people that committed, but only one person can show up for me. I'm like pissed off. I'm not pissed off, but like, I'm sort of bummed down. like, Oh damn, I wanted to get the demo out to those two other people. And so if I can, I'll schedule follow-up demos with those additional people. So I'll have more calls on my calendar. But again, the, the main, the main like, um, uh, reason is because I can fit in more demos on my calendar.
0: Yeah. No, I can, I can appreciate that. I also would agree with the the precedent and that if this is an inbound lead, I would handle that call differently. So I do think through the lens of outbound because that's been my whole career, I've always been the outbound guy. And, uh, um, yeah. so it's, that's how I think, <laughs> but I would agree, um, on the, on the, uh, on the side of inbound versus outbound. Another thing, another thought that I have here for you that I'd love to get your insight, a lot of things that I teach AEs that I work with to do, when we get on the discovery call, usually we only have 30 minutes. So let's let's make the plan based on we only have 30 minutes. And my discovery process, like to your point, if we had an hour, we could really do 20, 30 minutes of discovery, a little bit of a demo and, and hop off the call, could do that. But speaking, thinking about through the lens of outbound, it's a lot harder to get 60 minutes for initial meeting than it is to get 30 so that's kind of where you end up falling a lot of times. And it depends on if you're setting them, if an SDR setting them, what's being said, all that kind of stuff. But we, we teach like a very insights-driven discovery. So like how we're going to get the meaning is we're going to share with you some stuff that you want to see. So it's not, I'm going to sell you. Like, I mean, obviously I am trying to sell, but mm. what I'm trying to do is like bring value, right? In this call, I'm trying to show you what some other folks like you are thinking about, how they've gone about tackling that, some issues they ran into, and then what they thought about to fix it. And none of that has said anything about my product. I'm just telling you their story. At the very end of that call, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser as to like, this is how XYZ came into play for this outcome. But I actually like to give people time back. And I found that to be one of the most impactful parts of my sales process personally, that you schedule 30 minutes with you and we're off with me in 20. And I keep that consistent. Unless we're like, you have a lot of questions, we're getting down to the wire and like you want to keep it going. But that's pretty much what everyone experiences with me in the sales process. We have 30 minutes. You know, you're going to get off at twenty twenty-five. We have 45. You know you're going to get off at thirty-five forty. And I found that like, it makes people like be more willing to take meetings with me because they're like, this guy really respects my time. And he's like straight to the point and we we get off the call, right? Um, so that's another reason why I I like to do just discovery because it's like very simple. If we only have 30 minutes, number one, I don't have time to do disco and demo on this call. Um, number two, I want to do have a really great 20 minute conversation for him and say, oh, More. You know what? This has gone really great. Sounds like you're really focused on blah, blah, blah. I see a strong opportunity for fill in a blank company to be helpful. Um, would you agree like it, it makes sense to take a deeper dive? Yeah, sure reason does. Cool. Well, what I want to do is give you some time back today. So let's go ahead and pull up our calendars and that, you know, just go straight into that. People are like, yeah, awesome. Give me some time back. <laughs> yeah. You know, what do you uh, what do you think about that? That's yeah, a
1: big fan of getting time back. Um Huge fan. Obviously, again, if the person's if, if you have if that person doesn't have a heart stop and I don't have a heart stop and we're just enjoying each other's company. Um, like I've had calls where let's just say like the rest of the day was like completely free and for them also. And they were like you you ask them like, Hey, do you have a heart stop? Like, uh, no, I have a hard stop, we can go on as long as you'd like, and we were just vibing it also, then I'll, I'll let it bleed over the time. Um, but most of the time people don't people do have hard stops, they're busy, it's like the middle of the day, and so I love I giving do. time. Yeah, yeah, same here. So, like, um, I wanted to say something about. Um, oh, reg- going back to your question, like, why am I, why do I lean into like the consolidation of a demo and discovery? A lot of times, if you've done enough calls, if, let's just say you're selling software, legal tech, whatever tech. Um, many times, the type of buyer you speak to and the type of use case they're in is um, repetitive, meaning. You you can have like right like if you do cold calling and 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 outbound over time you get the same objections the same reasons it's just a matter of uh, it's pattern and so same thing with like doing demos and calls and discovery over time you realize I'm dealing with either this type of buyer within this type of use case or this type of buyer in this type of use case so if you do enough of those calls and you understand your buyer the industry the use cases you can actually trim the demo very quickly right like a buyer can have a thousand different things that they want to accomplish but if you do discovery in a very tight way you'll find out that they only want to accomplish let's say they want three things out of the three things the first thing is like the top priority it's a deal breaker and the deal maker then you can do a demo just around that one thing and it could only take you 20 minutes and so it, it all comes down to discovery if you find out that the prospect wants to do everything and it's like they they have so many use cases because they have other stakeholders then yeah you'll probably need to do a second call but a lot of times from my experience like the prospect has either one or two main goals that they want to achieve and main pain points that they want to solve for and they don't need the entire demo cuz they don't need all the features in the demo they need maybe one or two and that'll that'll be it and so that's what i've noticed at least in my experience
0: yeah this is i want to i want to dive deep on this one because i see this so much cuz the companies that we work with at altisales a lot of them are are very large and their product does a lot of different things and they're not alone right like a lot of folks are in that bucket yeah um And it's like the number one thing I hear when I'm doing training with them. Like, yeah, but Ethan, we do a million different things. How do I, how do I know where to take this call? Like, well, that's where discovery comes. in. (laughs) Um, But so let's say you're in that scenario. Let's say, and I would, I want to talk about this first. And then I I would like to backtrack and talk about how we uncover this, because I think that would be helpful for folks. But first, let's say you've done a good job. You've uncovered this person you've mentioned. They've given you an alphabet list of things that they're thinking about, you know, so let's let's just let's just say they've given you twenty things that they're they top of mind for them, and it really kept first five minutes of the call. We obviously can't address twenty things today, and likely our thing doesn't address all twenty of those things. So if we can kind of zoom in and maybe get tactical, what do you like to do, or what techniques do you teach or use to like help the prospect? Maybe because sometimes I feel like they don't know. But yeah. <laughs> but um, how do you how do you get to that one or two things? Like oh, these are the actual okay, you just threw a lot of things at me. Do you just straight up ask like, hey, curious, which of these is like most important to you? Or do you have a, do you have like a questioning line do you like to go about to kind of pull that out so we can zoom in on the, yeah. on the couple of things that matter most?
1: So it depends, right? So if that prospect, like when I was evaluating Gong and Refract, of course, and all those, I wasn't coming from a solution like that before. I was new to this conversation, intelligent solution. So I didn't know what I didn't know. And I thought everything that I wanted was important. Everything was a priority. Right, and then like so, if I did a demo with like chorus or I did a demo with gong, I was like, and they showed me like this bell and whistle feature. I'm like, yeah, I need that. And so, if you're dealing with a prospect that's coming from a place of I've never used anything in the past, you'll catch yourself in a situation where, where they have 20 priorities, and so that's the job of the the salesperson to be like, all right, you know, Ethan, I t- you know, typically when I speak to a prospect that is looking for this type of solution that's never really used a solution in the past. They typically have like twenty goals that you want to mention a lot of times they're aligned with what you're just saying, but what I've noticed is when they actually use the solution or, or they're actually about to make a decision, there's only like one or two things that are really top of mind top priority. What would you say that is for you that's option one you can you can tell them you know typically when I deal with prospects in this type of use case, this is what they're experiencing this is what they're looking for what is it with you? that's one way other ways you can sort of um hold their hand and lead them. And you can say, typically, when I work with prospects and they say they have X, this goal, that goal, that goal, that goal, typically, the more important thing that they're looking for is this goal, which you say that's aligned with what you're looking for. So you're offering them a solution. That's option one. Or option two is you're asking them, what is the top priority? How do you do it? Well, A/B test it. On one call, on some of your demos, Give them the solution, tell them, hey, prospects have said this is their top priority out of all these goals. Would you say that's the case? And on other demos, just ask them, like, hey, typically when I deal with prospects, they have 20 goals. They usually have one or two, three, one to three goals that are like really top of mind that everything else they can't live without. What would that be for you out of all these goals? And then whatever answer they give you, right? It could be, it could be this, it could be that, it could be that. Ask them why. You know, you know, out of those 20, you came up with those three. What's the reason you, you, you thought of those three? And the reason why you're asking that question is they'll start to unpack their pain points a little bit more. Um, and so, my school of thought is trim it down. Get get them to trim it down. They'll they'll give you 30 goals, 20 goals. They'll get excited. Like if someone's brand new to a, the 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 software solution, the brand brand new to the product, they get excited. Like when I was like researching Gong and Refract and all that, I was like, oh my god, I want this, I want that, I want that. And when I actually chose one of the software, I ended up going with Gong. I didn't use half the stuff that I was listing of my priority goes, I used only like one or three things. And so you as the salesperson know this because you're dealing with the same type of prospect over and over. It's just a pattern.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. I think I like the second version better for me personally. Both of them sound good. I think the second one's a bit more my style. I like to typically ask a question and try to help, right? Right. Like you don't know. So like, hey, I'm I'm asking this. The reason why I ask is because most people that say stuff like that to me usually land on like these two things as like mattering most. Would you say that you agree or am I off base there? Right. Um, like, no, you're right. That's that's that does sound good or whatever. Yeah.
1: And side use- note, sorry, sorry to cut you off, side uh-huh. note. What I've noticed is if you're dealing with a prospect that is is have, has used a competitor of yours or has used some sort of solution, many times they know exactly what they're looking for, and and which is why they're looking to leave. If you're dealing with a prospect that has never used anything, you'll find that they want everything, and so by helping them, it'll be a lot. It'll actually help them.
0: Yeah. No. It, yeah. Exactly. Love that. So let's let's uh, let's get a little let's get a little tactical here because. I like your style. I said on your training, kind of heard, you know, how, how you go about opening calls. I'd like to unpack a little bit here for folks. Um, when it comes to um, the beginning of the call, right. There's a couple of things I want to touch on here. Number one, rapport building number two, upfront contract. Then we can go from there, but with rapport building, <clears throat> I think you and I are aligned here. I actually can't remember what exactly you said to me, but the weather, the weather, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's a, There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of shit on LinkedIn, for lack of better words. Yeah. Well, I think that is the accurate word shit Um, kind of ever since the challenger sale has come out as like demonized relationship building and sales. And it's just like the same shit as people saying cold calls don't work or this. It's like, no, man, it actually all fucking works. I could probably get a meeting from a fax machine. Like I could probably figure it out Could probably the code probably be cracked. The question isn't like um, this or that. It's like, how do we optimize the combination of these things, right? So with rapport building, I'm, I'm all for like, let's not talk about dumb shit that no one cares about. However, if the prospect asks me about the weather, like he obviously is interested in that sort of thing or doesn't know what to say. But what that does signify is he does want to chat. Like, you know, that's what it does signify for sure. He's uncomfortable and he's trying to break the ice. So help him out. I'm a big fan. Charles Mobile talks about real talk over small talk. So, you know, if, like if I can't see your background because it's all blurred, but I can see that you have very nice matching Nike outfit going yeah. on right now, and uh, you know, was it Yeah, you know, but I could ask. I would like, hey, man, you go to work out or something like, you know like whatever. I could, I could talk to you, and then you, you could, you could explain that, you know, oh no, I, I actually just like this is my favorite shirt. It's warm, blah blah blah, and then I, I just happen to throw on this hat. It's a funny coincidence, we can laugh about it and whatever. Right. And, Whatever. What I see people do is try to connect too fast to the people. So, oh, you have a Nike hat I have a Nike hat. Um, yeah, yeah. Instead of like continuing yeah. to like asking questions about them, where do you land on rapport building and like how? Or do you have any any things you like kind of give people to think about? Like when they open the call, like do you use icebreaker questions and make it a little light, or do you, you you base it more like a research and professional background? Does it depend? Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, I think it. De- for me, it depends. I usually don't leave it to the prospect to break the ice. I I, uh, I take the initiative, um, and so it depends. Like I personally hate asking the weather because it clearly is a uh, um, a signal of I have nothing to talk to you about, and so I'm talking about the weather, in my opinion, at least. And so I will prior to the call do like a demo prep, a preparation to the demo, <laughs> which is what I talk about like the, in the course that I have, but um looking at their linkedin and looking at not just like their company but looking at their activity section and looking at their post and then going to their activity section to see what other posts that they engage with and if i can relate to any anything there either what they posted what they liked what they engaged with and i can relate to that i'll bring it up so i'll say something like um hey ethan appreciate you jumping on the call today by the way i noticed on linkedin that you liked so and so's post you know i've been following them for years a very good friend of mine. and then i'll just go into it I always like to say the word "by the way" before calling out, like when doing like icebreakers. I like to say "by the way" in the beginning of the call because it just it almost seems very like, and it is natural, but it's it's it segues very naturally, in my opinion. Um, I'll even look at like you know their Facebook or Instagram. So let's just say I'll do like I'll type in Ethan Parker on Google, and I'll find something really interesting, and I'll I find it on like linked on Instagram or Twitter. I'll take some like, Ethan, appreciate you jumping on the call. By the way, I know this sounds Really stalkerish, but I, I always Google my you know the people that I speak to before the call on you know their name, and I found you on Instagram, and I saw that you actually like X Y Z, and so that's how I can talk about something non-professional Instagram that's sort of stalkerish because I, that's a little too research by calling myself out saying I know this sounds like a little stalkerish, um, so that's my opinion on, on iceberg. I like to lean towards just natural. Like if you find something that you can relate to, if it's professional, do that. I just hate doing the oh hey Ethan appreciate jump call where are you based out of today. Like I could have looked that on LinkedIn like. You should yeah, know. like I should know that. I hate asking. Tell me about your company. Can't stand it. Tell me about your business. Can't stand it. A lot of AEs do this as an icebreaker. It's stupid because you should know. Like, if you got on the call and be like, "Hey, more. By the way, I noticed you're you're in Miami. Um, and I noticed that you do this X Y Z. Have you thought about blah blah blah? Whatever it is, right? I'd be like, "Wow, Ethan did his homework. Like, you know who does this really well? Uh, Guy Raz at How I Built This or Tom Billu in the Impact Theory." Um, they both, like when they interview guests, they come so prepared. Like Tom Bilyeu, if you watch the Impact Theory, he'll interview somebody and he'll be like, by the way, I appreciate you being on the show. I read on, on your in your book, you just released a book. And on the last chapter, you said XYZ. Tell me about that. He just jumps right into it. Um, so that's my approach to to building rapport, um, but doing definitely prep work. Not The ones that don't do prep work, wing it, and they ask about the weather. Another way is you could be like, just super like, you know, sort of wing it. Like, hey, Ethan, I noticed... You have a, a map in the back. Are you like a big traveler? Like th- that's one way of doing it, right?
0: Right. I can tell you about that too. Like that's what I'm talking about exactly though. Like you you just hit every nail on the head. I think the, the LinkedIn prep thing is probably like the most repeatable thing, but I I love what you did there too. Um around not to sound stalkerish, whatever. That's that's what I call uh, I don't call them, Charles Mobile calls, them, but humbly disclaimers, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much enables you to say whatever you'd like um and and the prospect would be okay with it. so, like I usually say something similar, like, hey, at the risk of sounding like super creepy here, I saw on Instagram that <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> and, funny, right? like it that, that's it, how you break the ice by calling that shit out, yeah, i like I like
0: humor in sales, like I you know, I, anyone that knows me like i'm I'm very like up and bubbly, like I always stand up when I'm on my sales calls and I move around. I use yeah. my hands the south, you know, we talk with our hands and and I'm very um. I'm just like, I see so many sellers are so fucking serious, dude. I'm like, lighten up, man. Like, these people are oh, yeah. just, it doesn't matter if this is a half a million dollar, billion dollar, or $10,000 sale. They're human beings, man, that have emotions. Yeah. Like, open them up. That's how you're going to close this deal. So, anyway, love that. Love every piece of
1: that. But cool. I've had, I've had uh, uh, sellers like when I was doing demos, like, I was getting demoed on and like, I only cared about like, what can you solve for me? And, the salesperson like did their try to do the job of like building rapport and i just didn't care and so read the room yeah read the room and like i'll smile and stuff but like that's why i like to lean towards building rapport on something professional that you've noticed on linkedin because then you're not like oh like i don't have time to talk to you about my life talk to me about business right so again there's no one way of doing things test it out yeah
0: I would challenge you on that though more. I've heard people say that, and I just don't fucking agree. Like maybe I'm wrong, but like I've 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 sold to people who I saw on LinkedIn that they say shit like that. But dude, if I find something that you're really passionate about, and I did my homework, well, let's say you have an obnoxious obsession with boats, and okay. I find out, and I bring that up on this call. Hey, did you get on the boat this weekend? Yeah, man, we did. That yeah. that So happy to talk. Like one hundred percent,
1: yeah. yeah. So if you find something, if you found like you know the golden ticket, and that is the golden ticket, versus like, hey, how's the weather? You found something that like strikes a core, like a trigger for me. One hundred percent, lean lean in with that, right? Because that's going to immediately cause the person to open up.
0: Yeah, and like that's why you got to do your prep work, man. Like because there's almost always you can find something somewhere um, if you go deep enough. I've been on plenty of calls where I couldn't find anything, and now. I, I, I have a couple things prepared. Like I see you change from the financial industry into this industry. How was that transition for you? It seems like, seems like that might've been tough. Just talk for a couple seconds, whatever. Can't find anything. I'm maybe I'm going to scan the background, try to find something if I can on the initial call, but there's times that doesn't exist. So read the room. I agree with more on that. But if you can find something, this person actually cares about as an individual, I wouldn't say you don't need to talk about boats for 15 minutes, but, um, you know, a couple minutes on this
1: conversation would, would. Generally, move the needle. Um, yeah. You can also, like, you know, like I like asking obviously about hard stop. So, if you're unsure about whether you should spend some time building rapport, you can jump on the call and be like, Hey, Ethan, I appreciate you jumping on the call today. By the way, do you have a hard stop? At, we have a time blocked off until this time, this time. Do you have a hard stop? If they say yes, I'll lean less towards the building rapport part and I'll go straight into business. Um, if they're like, um, Not really, I can, we can bleed over, then I may be like, Okay, cool. By the way, I noticed that. And then I'll go into my building rapport.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, you definitely you got to respect the time. Um, I'm going to do the report building either way. Um, cause I plan for it in this 30 minute call. Even yeah. if that's all. You all can
1: right. also do it throughout the demo. Like, like, let's just say you, you don't do, it. you forget to do it, whatever it is and you're on the demo. And, um, like I, I, I was, I was doing a, before our call, I was listening to an AE's demo. He sent me like his, it was like a qualification call. And towards the end, like it was like in the middle of the demo, and he's like, by the way, it's like that show. And then he talked about the show, and then Prosper was like, yeah. And then they're like, that's yeah. building rapport, right? Like he saved it for the demo in this case.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have to all be up front by any means. Right. Like, it, and that's where, sort of like, if I got one of those people that were super standoffish, like if I got on with you and I could tell you, like, not feeling this, right? I'm going to go upfront contract and get rolling. And then I'm going to try to find something during here to build rapport during the process. Yeah. So again polarity i believe is never the answer it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the call and it probably shouldn't only be at the beginning of the call even if you do a good job there like we can tie things back to things later but yeah um upfront contract you mentioned the time check that's a part of mine so i do that time check it's like the first thing i say hey thanks for hopping on again more I, I believe you have 30 minutes cut of a call you have a hard stop at 12 or you know anything else you need to be aware of yes I do no i don't cool what do, uh, what kind of general principles that you like to follow or guidelines you like to follow for like a good upfront contract? And let's, let's zoom in on outbound if you can. Um, cause I think those look very differently in my opinion. Um, but just love to get your thoughts on like things you're trying to accomplish really is what I'm getting at. If you have a script, you want to give an example. Cool. But like, what's your goal in with an upfront contract, because I see people skip it all the time. I'm like, why you're, you're missing a huge yeah. opportunity. I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'm going to let you answer. No, but. no,
1: for sure. No, I think people skip it. And I, and I can I can speak to this because when I first started like implementing upfront contracts, I skipped it in the beginning. And like looking back, the reason why was because I didn't. I felt like it was too blunt of a question. And, and it's sort of very transactional of a question. Um, and that's why I skipped it. And then when I coached teams and I saw that they would skip it, I'm like, are you skipping it because of this concern? And they would say, yes, let's go. Okay, that's why. So I think that's why they're skipping it. I'm a big fan of it. Um, I think there's multiple ways you can ask it. I. Like So the way, the flow that I do would be like, I would like to set the agenda of the call first, right? So, you know, Ethan, the reason why we're on, you know, the, the purpose of today's call is so that I learn a little bit more about what you want to accomplish and see if we can solve that pain point or if we can align to that. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. By the way, Ethan, my only ask is if at the end of the call, you feel like, or if throughout the call, if you feel like it's not a fit, would you be comfortable telling me? So like, I like to see it like that, by the way, my only ask is that's how I start my upfront contract versus, all right, thanks, Ethan. At the end of the call, if you feel like I like to just keep it very organic. Um, and then if they say, uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, okay. And same here, by the way, if, like, it's not in my best interest to like guide you in the wrong way. So if I feel like we're not a fit even 10 minutes into the call. I'll let you know, um, on the flip side, if for whatever reason you feel like it is the fit, would you be cool telling me? And I like to use the word cool. Cause it's very like natural. Right. Um, And so my intent for doing the upfront contract is twofold. Number one, um, it's I think the closing process actually starts in the beginning of the call, not the end of the call. And so by doing the upfront contract, you're getting micro commitments. They're saying, yes, they're committing to you in a micro type of way. And so by the time you're throughout the call, maybe by the time you get to the end, they'll be way more open to tell you the truth because they've already committed upfront. And so that's usually the intent. And then it's the same thing. The, The same reason that I'm looking for, for them to feel comfortable telling me is the same thing. I want to feel comfortable telling them. And so it, it creates an alignment and it creates us being on the same page. which is really important.
0: Yeah. So many good things there. I love that question around um, <clears throat> you feel comfortable. That's something I skip sometimes. And it's a really good one, um, but I want to double click on a few things more said here, or I guess I'm talking as if people are listening. I don't know. Yeah, if
1: right. It's, an, it's double-
0: like a... <laughs> yeah. a couple things you said here. Um, but uh the the aligning on expectations piece is like the real goal here. Like we want to align so that we're all on the same page for the flow of this call. Like that's the real ultimate goal of upfront contract. And to your point, of it sets you up, like that's all a part of aligning. So we get to the end of the call, they know what's coming. And yep. so we actually I combine my agenda and upfront contract. And it's one of the same. But mm. like if we're it's outbound, if it's inbound, it'd be a little bit different. But if it's outbound, it's, it sounds something like, you know, right, awesome. Well, thanks for hopping on. Uh, we have 30 minutes today. Any hard stops you need to be aware of? Nope. Cool. Sweet. I know we called you. Um, we got a million things going on. Would it be helpful if I had some context? Yeah, Ethan, that'd be great. Sweet. And then go into, you know, whatever's coming next. Like, so great. Um, so today, yeah, I'm going to share with you how companies like XYZ or blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, from there, I thought it'd be helpful to tell you a little bit how ABC companies help drive some of those outcomes. Then together we can talk about if it makes any sense diving any further. If so, we can talk concretely about next steps. If not, you know at least you have some insights you can take back and work on the team. And then I never ever 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 ask. Sound fair? Makes sense. I'm good? I say, is there anything else you'd like to make sure we cover today? So this is worth your
1: time. That's it. Like super yeah. fun. I like that you say. Uh, would it be helpful if I add some context? That's I, I like that right? It's because it's, it's also a, a micro commitment type of question. You're getting to them to micro to commit. Saying yes, that's cool. If you give me some context, I, I've 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 had a demo. <clears throat> Someone did a demo on me, and I really liked what they said. Um, they said the words just so that just so we're aligned, and then they went into their question. And I really like that. So you could, like I've tested up, uh, upfront contracts by saying, "Hey Ethan, just so we're aligned." Like at the end of the call, if and then I go into the upfront contract. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah. The the piece on adding
0: context is because like. Dude, people have them. Like, I, I take demos. Like, people call, prospect me all the time to all sales ever since I got that title. Like, bam, bam, bam. bam yep. box every day. And there's some things I'm interested in. So I take a demo. But also, like, if you see my schedule, it's absolutely bananas. I'm on back-to-back-to-backs every day. And a lot of times I pop into this. I'm like, okay, what the fuck was this about? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you're calling VPC-level people, then that's their same life. And odds are they weren't setting prepping for this call 30 minutes before like you were. They just hopped off of a meeting. They're coming in. And like the biggest thing you can do is like help lower their anxiety being in this call. So I think that context question not only does it like get that micro commitment you're talking about, but I think it helps lower their anxiety and demonstrate your business acumen. Like I understand that you're fucking busy and you agreed to this call two weeks ago, and you might not even remember why you're here, man. Like, and you can,
1: you could say that not like verbatim, but you could call out like, like what you just told me that, which is like what you're thinking, at which is what's driving you to say. Would it be helpful to add some context? You can tell them why you're doing that. Like, hey, I I know you're like VP of sales are like super busy, and so like uh, you know if you spent time prepping for this, I appreciate it. But I know you guys are s- so swamped. So would it be helpful, like telling them the why of why you're about to, what you're about to do is helpful because that they're like, okay, he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm feeling. He, he's being very explicit about it. Yeah,
0: I do a shortened version of this. I say, I know we called you, and you got a million things going on. So yeah. I'm that's a shortened version but yeah you can 100% elaborate more if you want i think like people are they, they need to elaborate more sometimes. they need to be a bit more honest like you're not just saying the same to the, the same like you'll get much more buy in from the prospect if they know why you're doing what you're doing
1: always right. which so. go, which goes into by the way what, I don't know if I'm like skipping over or going too far ahead but like asking difficult questions like some some aes don't like asking very blunt questions like hey who are you evaluating because they just don't feel comfortable asking such a blunt question and so by giving them, by justifying the question, that's going to get the prospect to open up a little bit more. So for example, if you want to find out who they're evaluating besides your company, um, you could be like, hey, prospect, out of curiosity, like besides us, who else are you evaluating? And I'm, by the way, I'm only asking because... And then justify the question. They'll be yeah. way more open to giving you the answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you could do that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Charles Mobauer if you can't tell. like It's like the fourth reference I'm giving him on this. Yeah, I like him. But, uh, like the, the, you can, like, I do that with, uh, with like, a Hey, um, I always feel like a little bit awkward when I ask this question, but, um, I'm just curious, um, you know, who who else are you evaluating for this the reason I ask is it would affect like what information I tell you. Cause I know like everyone has different things. And if you're evaluating, you know, this product we've talked along around are, are these outcomes that you want to know. And I know certain things about certain products, cause this is what I do all day that I could help, you know, even if it's not us pointing in the right direction, what's going to be best for that best outcome. Right. So, some, same thing, right? You're adding a little bit of context at the end. I like to start with a little bit of a humble disclaimer. Hey, it feels a little weird asking this. Or, hey, it makes me a little uncomfortable. Or, hey, I know this might sound like a stupid question, right? Like those kind of things I ask first because people, they like, the natural reaction of most human beings is, I don't want you to feel stupid, Ethan. Like, I'm, yeah.
1: I'll help you out, you know? Vulnerability is very powerful. So, yeah. by by doing that humble disclaimer, I feel awkward. I feel weird. I, I, this may sound stupid. You're essentially putting yourself in a vulnerable spot. And by, which is by the way, what I like, I don't do outbound as much as I used to. I probably do a lot less outbound now, but um, you know, the typical, like, Hey, Ethan, this is a cold call. Do you want to hang up or give me 30 seconds? Like that opening line works really well because you're putting yourself in a vulnerable spot where you have everything to lose. And so I think the prospect appreciates that plus it's transparent. So, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: um, we've talked about a lot of good things today. I went off on tons of different tangents, but I really enjoyed it. I think it was valuable for folks. But um, let's wrap Hopefully. it up. So I have, I have two final questions for you. The first question is, what are the most common mistakes? Could be one, could be two, whatever. What are the most common mistakes you see with reps in discovery? Um, again, it could be a super low-hanging fruit or maybe yeah. a no strategy issue.
1: Um, I think one of the most common ones is that they approach discovery in a very interrogative way. So the way I think about it is like, you're watching like CSI, whatever it is, they arrest somebody, they put them in like that cold room with a metal table and they'll shine the light on their face like where were you yesterday at 8pm and then he's drilling them with questions and so i think reps are like trained to make sure that they go through discovery and make sure they get the answers to their questions but they sacrifice conversation and so they just they'll ask a question they'll get the answer and then the rep will go straight into the next question they'll get the answer then straight into the next question and so that's one mistake that i see them doing a lot and they're not treating it as conversational another another thing they're making mistake is you'll hear on linkedin like Active listening it should be active listening. And that's a sales skill. I call I always call BS on it because I think active listening is just such a surface level skill. I think proactive listening is way more impactful, more, way more powerful. And so for example, this is like a true story. Like uh um I spoke to like a prospect once and I asked the part like, Hey, why are you looking to leave the competitor? And they're like, Yeah, every time we reach out to their customer support, they're always giving us the runaround, they're not getting back to us in time. And so, like an average rep that's active listening will say, "Okay, well, clearly, what they're looking for is really good customer service." If you're proactive listening, you're reading in between the lines. Wait a minute, why are they reaching out to customer service all the time? And so, the proactive listener will say, "Hold on, Ethan. Like out of curiosity, like what's the reason you're reaching out to customer support all the time?" Most of the time, you'll get the real reason. You'll say something like, "Well, we're trying to achieve X, Y, Z feature. We're trying to do this fun," and that's the reason, and that's what they're looking for. And so. Yeah. Proactive listening and then uh, keeping the conversations more interrogated, uh, more interrogated, conversational is where reps need to focus on, in my opinion. There's a lot more, but those are the two that pop up in my head. Love that. So much gold and
0: just those two things. Um, I harp on this all the time when you're asking questions and you just hear the answer and move on assuming assume- Yeah, you yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Can't stand Do it. That.
0: You got to dig deeper. You got to read between the yeah, yeah. lines, uh, even if you just need to understand better yourself. But anyway- awesome stuff more. Um, Cool. I want to give you the opportunity. Where, where, uh, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? I know you have like cool new course coming out. So I'm sure that's something, yeah. but where?
1: are uh, uh, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, if I type out, if I even see my name, no one's going to know how to spell it, but um, more oh. also M-O-R. Yeah. You'll put, you'll put the link. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Moore, M A M I S T A M O R. And then I just released a sales demo course for AEs or aspiring A. A lot of SDRs are one of their goals is to like become an AE. And so this would be perfect for them. Um, the website is called demo dot closecom And oh, I guess for, for your listeners, while they're listening, if they're interested and they want in and uh, I'll give them $100 off and the coupon code will be Early Bird Gets the Demo, all one word, all lowercase. And they'll get $100 off. Nice, nice,
0: awesome. Uh, I will link all that in the show notes as well. Cool. Well, I won't, but um, the team will.
1: And uh, <laughs> appreciate your time more. Great you chat. Bet, appreciate it. Take it easy.